Oh me, oh my, what a crazy 72 hours it has been. We've seen oil spilled in the Huntington Beach area. We've seen thunder, lightning, trees catching on fire. We've seen it all. We also saw uh, the dreaded enemy come to Championship Soccer Stadium and still three points from Orange County. So it's been a really crazy, weird uh, 72 hours. And we're going to hear, we're here to talk about it. I got to get my words straight. See, I can't even think right with this. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore Soccer Cast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Happy October, Orange County. Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I am here to take you through this wonderful journey as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. Uh, joining me as he does each and every episode from Caroline Coalition, we've got Dylan. Dylan, how are you feeling after this weekend? How are you feeling with all the crazy stuff going on and crazy weather and all this fun stuff? Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, a little bit ha- not happy about the result, but I'm feeling better about the result than the massive weather changes that we've had. But that that's life. Yeah, it, it, the weather's freaking me out a little bit recently. This is this is like the second time we've had crazy thunder and lightning in the Orange County area in what three weeks time. And I know there's parts of this world and this country that get that quite often. It's not typical where we live. Let's find out, Brad, do you get this type of weather up in the Reno area? Do you deal with a lot of thunder and lightning from time to time and teach us how to deal with that? If you do. Um, not really, actually. Uh, we've been getting a lot more smoke too. So be thankful you don't have that. Although my lovely chargers, uh, played Monday night football and, I think that has something to do with all the thunder and lightning you have because they clobbered the Raiders. I I know we're not an American football podcast, but isn't it weird that a team that's called the Chargers has to delay their start because of lightning? I mean, shouldn't they be able to play through that because they're all, you know, thunderbolts and stuff on their uh, on their helmets? That doesn't make sense to me. I was just surprised it's an indoor stadium and it still got delayed. But I was uh, I was also running late for work and. It was just the world saying, hey, Brad, we know you want to watch your Chargers. We got you. So I was listening to a local sports talk radio, and, and there was this. they were talking about that exact thing that you're talking about, an indoor stadium, and they had to postpone it. Apparently, the stadium is not 100% indoors. So because there's the slight bit of open roof in that stadium, they have to uh, follow the precautions that you would have in any situation but hey we're not an american football podcast i'm already boring dylan as we're talking about the chargers i think any fan in our area is like the chargers who are they um but let's get into uh, the big talk uh, and that is the big match that happened this past weekend at championship soccer stadium it was a homecoming of sorts for goalkeeper andre rawls and for midfielder 
Aiden Quinn. And in what ended up being a decently competitive match, uh, Orange County drops all three points to Phoenix uh, with a scoreline of 1-0. There was some definitely tensions flying uh, throughout the match. There was a nice uh, scuffle on the pitch for a while uh, and uh, a bunch of other stuff that happened was, Oh, by the way, it was beer fest. So there was a lot, a lot of uh, fans in the stadium that had been drinking from about, I believe four o'clock was the start of beer fest um, and getting their tastes of some local beers. And a few of them even joined counterline coalition. Although I don't know how well they did with some of the chants. Let's go to you first, Dylan. How was that experience with uh, a bunch of extra people hanging out with Caroline coalition and maybe making up some of their own chants as we were going along? Um, it was funny at first, and it, it got a little bit annoying, as clearly they'd had a few too many uh, beers and, and maybe not enough crayons um, to kind of level out the amount of booze they'd had. But um, it was nice to see, I think, 5,100 people in the stadium. Uh, I don't think we've hit 5,000 since all 2018 in with the match against Vegas. Um, but, oof, I mean, as, as we watched that goal go in, it's the, it's the same thing that's doomed us all season long, and it was just switching off for one minute, and that was enough to to, to lose. Um, which it was disappointing, but it's it certainly didn't feel um, as bad as a lot of other results have felt this year. And for those of you not watching the stream on YouTube or on our social medias as we're recording live or in replay form, Dylan was referencing a scene from the highlights, the one goal from match four. Uh, Phoenix that saw them go up one nil. And that was basically the only uh, score of the night. And and I, if I'm not mistaken, it looks like on the highlights, they showed a clip of a Phoenix fan. I'm wondering, was that soccer mom from Phoenix? I can't quite remember off the top of my head, but it quite looked like her. And I think Dylan's shaking his head. Yes, uh, probably was. And we've, we've met her in the past and uh, really Phoenix has a good group of fans. As much as we like to sort of get at them and diss them, they have some really good fans. We've made friendships with some of the fans and some of the podcasters as we've gone along. Um, Brad, let me go to you. You're watching this, you know, remotely and you don't get a chance to be at the stadium. Um, it, it was really a match of some really good goalkeeping. Both sides, uh, when you look at uh, Patrick Rakowski and Andre Rolls, they, they put on some really brilliant performances uh, between the sticks, um, which helped keep this 1-0 uh, scoreline for this match. Uh, what were your thoughts, A, overall on the match, and what did you think of the fantastic goalkeeping? We're watching Andre Rawls make a couple saves uh, that look like they should have been goals for Orange County, and um, obviously it didn't happen. But what were your thoughts on the match, and what did you think of the goalkeeping? Um, well, I think you're referring to Monica McPherson. Was she there? That's the person you're referring to as soccer mom? Yeah, she's the best. I love her. She came up to Reno for a ton of games, so shout out to her. Um, as for the actual goalkeeping itself that game, you know, Patrick Rakowski did a good job not getting chipped three different times and only getting chipped the once. Uh, you know, he he definitely had a good game, but, you know, it's all about not letting goals in, and Rawls had himself a very stellar night, too, uh, uh, last night on Saturday. And um, as we're watching some more highlights, uh, courtesy of this match, we uh, see the the scuffle that happened uh, just, you know, about 10 minutes into the second half uh, that involved quite a bit of players, including former Orange County player Aiden Quinn. Uh, Santi Moore uh, did his Emmy uh, best fall down in this. Um, uh, surprisingly, 
no one was ejected after all this. I was really thinking that was going to happen in there, uh, speaking with uh, Aiden Quinn after the match briefly. Uh, he was joking about just sort of uh, reacquainting himself with Rob Kiernan in that scuffle because uh, you saw the two of them you know, shoving each other a little bit. Uh, what were your thoughts on that, Dylan? Were you sort of shocked that no one got a got sent off for what happened out there? I know the, the tackle was a little bit harsh um, in that whole lead up to that event. And then again, again, the pushing and shoving the each other's face, all that. Are you shocked by that? Or was it a good job by the uh, officiating crew to just calm them down, maybe, you know, issue some warnings and move on? Um, I think I'm only surprised that maybe Dylan Powers didn't initially see red for his challenge. I thought it was a little bit high up, but we also saw Tate Schmidt or whatever a couple of weeks ago do the same thing, basically. A little bit different of a challenge, but a high up challenge that was rewarded to yellow. Um, I'm surprised that there weren't any other cards that were dished out for this one. I don't think any of those are reds. Santimar goes to ground and, you know, whatever, but... Um, I figured, you know, maybe Aiden Quinn's going to get one for, you know, trying to incite something. But at the same time, he's trying to defend his teammate and have his teammates back. And Aiden Quinn's also in... How do we put this? Well, um, he's not the kind of player that's going to watch that happen to a teammate and just take it. He's going to stand up for his teammate. And it was... This, we'd love to see that when he played here and he hasn't changed at all. Um... And you can't fault him for that either, because it was a really, really awful tackle. So, I mean, probably probably best to maybe give out a couple more yellows there. Maybe Aiden Quinn gets one, and um, you move on. But telling them to knock it off and telling them there ain't no more chances, is, is it worked well. This didn't spill over and get messy like a lot of other matches have, so... Let me uh, ask you really quick, Brad. I don't know if you watch wrestling, WWE, or any of the other wrestling uh, that you can see on streaming networks these days. Uh, but let me ask you with the Santi Moore, uh, you know, sort of easy to go down uh, situation there. Does he have a future career when his uh, soccer playing days are over? Can he uh, audition for maybe WWE or one of the other wrestling circuits? Because um, to me, it looked like I I'm going to name out some old school wrestlers but you know it looked like the big show shoving dink the clown which uh, if anyone watched you know doink and dink you you'll you'll know who i'm talking about um it, it looked like he went down rather easily uh, in that and he's not much smaller uh than any of the other players on the pitch so a does he have a future career in wrestling and b what were your thoughts of all of that uh cluster mess going on on the pitch so typically i think that uh Especially in the world of WWE, I'm not like a huge fan, but I, I do from time to time watch some of it, I guess. Um, but they usually stick to more football, ex-football, ex-basketball players because they're all like seven feet tall and like super bulky. Um, and Santi Moore is what, like five eight or five nine or something like that? I don't remember how tall he is. But he's also a soccer player and super skinny, so... Maybe he can be a luchador or something, but probably not one of the regulars. It, it almost looked like there was like maybe a ghost on the pitch with the the players, and the the ghost like kneeled right behind Santi right before he was going to get shoved, and that's why he just sort of like went down really hard like that. Um, but let's talk more about this match uh, again. Orange County conceded just the one goal, and it looked like 
uh, as has been mentioned most of this season, it was just a lax lapse of focus or breakdown of the defense uh, in this situation. Can we blame, I, I believe it was Rob Kiernan that uh, sort of misplayed that and led to an easy goal for, uh, for Phoenix. Uh, can we blame that on just Rob Kiernan, the defense in general, or was that just, I mean, Phoenix doing Phoenix things and, and getting a quality goal in that situation, Dylan? Um, I think we can blame him for that one. He really, I mean, it seems like he just completely stopped playing for a second and you're playing high line against a team like Phoenix where you've got Solomon Asante, who's really good on the ball, um, and Santi Moore, who's really good at the ball, and both of those two can finish as well. Um, it's a dangerous game to play, but you can't sit back and let them have possession um, unless you are strong defensively, which obviously we are not. Um, so, yeah, we had to play the high line, and in, if you're playing a high line, you have to be switched on for 90-plus minutes. Um, because And we've said this in the past, but you switch off for 30 seconds and, and you concede. And that could be it. And I'm sure he was uh, not pleased with himself, and I'm sure that it hurts him that much more um, at the time, at the end of the match, and, and this week in training, because that was the difference maker in this match. That doesn't go in. I mean, there was a couple other really bad mistakes, and there was a kind of a blown offside call initially that Rakowski makes a save on in the end, or two saves on in the end, but yeah, it just it really shows you that, especially at this level, and especially with teams like Orange County and Phoenix playing against each other, it's going to be who makes a mistake first. Um, last year was Santi Moore deciding that he wanted to shove Braden Cloutier, and that was the mistake that kind of doomed them, and, and this year is Rob Kiernan switching off for a second. And th two years ago it was um, Walker Hume trying to like lazily clear a ball on the half volley whiff and then watch Solomon Asante score from 30 yards. So, you know, I think this means that the next match, it'll be Phoenix's turn to make a mistake. Which I guess we'll take because that match is coming up rather quickly. Uh, let me uh, ask you, Luke, Brad, because I think uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think we were all uh, pretty confident that we had a solid defensive uh, group here when you have players like Michael Orozco, Rob Kiernan, Brent Richards, Kevin Alston, Nathan Smith, uh, and then even some youngsters like a Kobe Henry or something like that in the mix for your defense and, again, some solid goalkeeping. Um, but it, it seems like the defense has let uh, the club down quite a bit this season, whether it's on set pieces or in situations like this where maybe – do you have to question playing a high line against a team that has so much pace and so much ball control uh, and uh, some good finishers? Uh, you know, it is were we overrating our defense heading into the season, or is there something different that's going on with this uh, that I can't think of or that I can't make anything out of? I think our defense itself is still, you know, one of the top defensives in the league. You're going against one of the best offenses in the league in Phoenix, and you're only holding them to one goal. It shows that there's a lot of individual talent there. Um, my my uh, one qualm about the game is you are kind of doing an offsides trap and playing a very high line, and you're you're kind of forcing yourself to to run a lot against a very conditioned Phoenix team that's used to. 100 110 degree weather and is very conditioned um you know and it kind of can show at times that we got lucky not to allow a couple of goals in there but 
but Phoenix is a very good team. They will make you pay for for playing so aggressively on defense. And, you know, I don't know if I would have played a little safer. I don't quite disagree with how we played the game. But at the same time, you know, mistakes have been a huge burden for this team this year. Um, so just it's continue. You got to stop. You got to limit how many mistakes you make. And, um, you know, let's sort of wrap things out with this, uh, this Phoenix match, uh, that loss really sort of hurts orange County. I mean, they're still in good position, uh, in the Western conference Pacific division, uh, currently as we speak sitting in third, um, at 37 points, probably now realistically, that's going to be the, the position you're, you're hoping for because you only have what five more matches in the season. Uh, San Diego is, um, Six points up on Orange County, although Orange County does have a game in hand, but that's still a, a tough ask for a team. Um, the good thing is Orange County does have a match against San Diego, which, you know, ultimately that means the two teams can finish even on points if Orange County controls their side of things uh, and wins that match plus, you know, equals San Diego and the wins the remainder of the season. But again, still a tough ask. Third is probably going to be the more realistic spot for Orange County at this point because we do still have matches. Again, another match against Phoenix, a, a match against Oakland, who is you know definitely not an easy opponent, um, and a tough uh, a tough couple of matches that against teams that record wise you probably shouldn't be super scared of. Maybe I guess LA Galaxy is doing pretty good, but um, Vegas is bottom of the table. But Orange County has struggled against these two teams this season. Um, as things sit right now, I'm going to go to you, gentlemen. Where does Orange County f- finish uh, the end of the season? Is third the realistic spot, or do you think they can actually move up to second, or are they going to potentially drop out of this still in first? Uh, third, I think, is where we'll end up. Um, I don't see us getting any points back. Um, I mean, Phoenix, there's we can only get second. Phoenix has clinched. Um, and and won Although, the division. Dylan, you did say it's going to be Phoenix's turn this next match. We play them to make a mistake, and and we benefit from it. So that's a potential to get an upset there. And yeah, and maybe they switch off a bit Diego, because yeah, they switch off a bit because they, they they have it locked up, so they can rotate and keep guys just healthy at this point and manage minutes. Um, the match against San Diego will be a tiebreaker, so it's going to be playoff atmosphere from start to finish. But I think the biggest deal is um, Orange County have been poor at home. And so maybe at this point, psychologically, are the players and the coaching staff willing to do? Do they want to play at home? Um, does the front office want to set up for a match? Um, in the past, they've said they like going away because they just get to show up and play. <laughs> so maybe that's what they're hoping for here. And with how bad we've been at home, or not good, maybe not bad, but with how not good we've been at home, um, it, it might be let's just lock up this third spot and, and see what we can do. Um, Brad, your thoughts on that before we uh, move on and look at our uh, prediction contest for the season? Um, realistically, I don't think you're hosting a home game, so I think second place is kind of off the cards. Um, not that San Diego's running away with, with it, but San Diego still has two games against Sacramento, um, a game against Oakland, and a game against New Mexico United. I don't see them dropping three extra points and us being able to cover up the three extra points that we are with a game in hand to cover the six points. 
Um, so I think not that they're a lock, but I think it's going to be tough for us to catch them. Um, and then as for the teams below us, uh, Sacramento's had a very quiet year. I, I forgot they existed up until this past weekend when I said, Oh, who are Sacramento playing? We haven't played them in a while since we played all four before the halfway point. Um, they're tied with LA galaxy in terms of points. I don't think either one of them, or I don't think both of them beat us in points but I think one of them might. So we're looking at either an away game to whoever wins the mountain division or the second seed in the mountain. All right. So really quick, um, you know, typically I just ask questions, let you all be, you know, people that give the detailed information, but I'm going to jump in on this because I think Brad, you sort of gave an argument for what I'm going to say here. I think Orange County definitely can fight for second place in this. Uh, You made an argument uh, that uh, San Diego uh, you know, they're not playing maybe the toughest of schedules, but when you look at all the teams you named off in that brief moment there, you named off all teams that are literally fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, when you're looking at teams like New Mexico, who are currently sitting, I believe, in fourth in the Mountain Division, uh, you got a team like Sacramento that they play twice, I believe, that is currently sitting fifth, even in points with Galaxy, too. So they're definitely in the mix fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, and then, again, a match against uh, Oakland Roots, who is – they are sitting sixth, but they're only one point back of LA Galaxy, too. So there's four of their final five opponents that are truly fighting for playoff positioning. You look at Orange County, they have a match against San Diego, which, uh, you know, helps out tremendously if you can get the full three points there. They are facing a Phoenix Rising and a Las Vegas team that have nothing to play for at this point unless you're Phoenix and you're fighting for, you know, want to have the best record in the league. But who knows how important that is to uh, Phoenix at this point. Uh, And again, for Orange County, you got matches, I believe, uh, this weekend against Tacoma uh, and a a tough match against Oakland and LA Galaxy. So yeah, we do have some tough opponents as well. But uh, I I feel like, Orange County has the better of the two schedules, A, because of the game in hand, uh, and B, because a couple of their opponents really have sort of clinched their position um, in in the standings and in the playoff race. So that would be a benefit there. To, it, it's going to be a tough ask for Orange County, but they can definitely do it uh, if they can find a way to turn on uh, the or perform the best of their to the best of their abilities for the remainder of this season and those six matches. Um, let's get into our contest that we uh, that I was talking about, the season prediction standings. Um, I was the big winner this past weekend uh, with my prediction going into the match of a 5-0 Phoenix victory. I get not only the four points for Phoenix winning, but also uh, three additional points for the predicting Orange County's scoreline correctly. Um, other than that, we did have a couple of you, Dylan and Brad, that earned three points each for predicting Phoenix's score correctly, and Alan missed out. So um, I'm still in last place, but I'm catching up to Alan. So there's still a shot of me with six matches remaining. I am, what, seven points behind Alan. There's still that slight chance that I can catch up and at least not finish in last place. Um, Definitely don't think I'm catching up to Brad or Dylan at this point. They have a close race at the top with Brad ahead by five points over Dylan, 77 to 72. Alan sitting at 53 points. Uh, how confident, uh, I mean, it's coming down to you two. How confident are you guys that you can win this? I'm going to go to you as the person in second place right now, Dylan. How confident are you that you can uh, win this inaugural season prediction contest? I'm about as confident as um, Orange County hosting a home playoff game. So in my view, decently confident. 
Or in my view, not very. But that's okay. So then, Brad, you have to be all confident. You're in the lead, six matches remaining, and the only person that has a chance of catching up to you thinks he can't do it. Um, are you already going to claim victory right now? He's so confident he's muting himself. I will not claim victory in any way, shape, or form because, and Dylan won't get this reference, but as a Charger fan, I know the game script that I'm going to throw away this game at the fourth quarter and just have a terrible quarter and it's just going to be bad and Dylan's going to win on a last second field goal. I don't understand this reference. And that's Brad, why I'm sorry. I use that reference. Um, here's where, my, again, my argument for the remainder of the season is the correct argument. And Dylan, you should be confident then that you can win because Orange County will probably, in fact, get that second place finish. Uh, we got listener listening live on Facebook, Tyler Griffith. Uh, he posted on there, my brother is a SD fan and he doesn't share the confidence that they can close things out. They're playing really well, but they're missing some key players at this point. So um, unfortunately, we don't have Alan, who is also a San Diego fan and uh, regular on our show here to uh, you know, confirm or deny what t uh, Tyler is saying here. But again, I, I Brad made the argument for me here. The opponents he listed out for San Diego are all fighting for a playoff spot. So Orange County with the better remaining schedule to help out. And that game against San Diego and a game in hand is definitely a plus. Uh, let's move ahead. Part of uh, getting into that second place spot will begin this weekend as Orange County will be facing uh, a team that, one of those two teams that they've struggled against all season. Uh, and this is Tacoma in Tacoma. The last time they were up in the Pacific Northwest was the first match of the season. That saw Orange County not only lose the match, but lose Adam John for the season and uh, put them in this position. Because I, I, I think we can all agree if Adam would have been with this team all season, it could have definitely been a very different a season scenario for this team. Um, what are your thoughts heading into this match, Dylan? Is this a winnable match for Orange County? Uh, <clears throat> what do they need to do to get those full three points against what has been a tough opponent for them in Tacoma? It's a winnable match for Orange County, but I think the biggest thing, it's going to require a change in our shape, or at least a change in how we set up for this match, because generally what we do is hit the ball um, long, either for Ugo to play off of, um, or to flick on, or we play it long and hope that Ronaldo can run onto it. Um, and that's just not feasible on Cheney Field or at Cheney Field because it's just too short. Um, it didn't work in March, and it was really unfortunate to lose Adam John uh, 30 minutes into his Orange County career because we wouldn't have had to have played Aramarkin until he broke. Um, we would have been able to rotate there. Trade-off being that we also got to see maybe Ronaldo Damas in his um, absolute best, uh, or at his absolute best, excuse me. So I think if we set this up well and we just try and dominate possession um, and really back them into their own half, then we're probably going to get a result. I don't know psychologically at this point if... Um, if the previous match between these two sides is going to make a difference. And for those of you who don't remember, that was a 3-0 victory for uh, Tacoma in Orange County. I mentioned they'll probably want to write the ship on that one. I mentioned that uh, a Robbie Kiernan's probably in the locker room um, motivating, uh, hopefully, Michael Roscoe, too, because 
it was a really poor defensive performance that got us that that loss um, and ultimately cost Brandon Clutier his job. So I think defensively we're set up a little bit better to play at this field. Um, offensively it's gonna it's gonna be a change, and hopefully Thomasina Voltson is is fit enough to play more than twenty minutes so that we can you know, we can see what our side does with him in it and and see what our side does um, with the majority of the ball. And I'm glad, Dylan, that you caught yourself in, you know, you, you mentioned the, you know, Adam John injury and having to see Ira Markkinen, but that did lead to the Ronaldo Damas, um, what we've seen from him this season. I, I would probably say if Adam John doesn't get injured, um, we're seeing a lot less of, of Ronaldo throughout the season, and he's not having this uh, amazing season that this youngster is having with Orange County. He still would have done well with orange county but he wouldn't have had the opportunities he's had all season yeah he would have featured on the wing for sure and he probably would not have really come inside very much and, and played as a true nine yes um i want to go to you brad because dylan's referencing the um smaller field that uh, tacoma does play on it is a baseball stadium um you in reno as a reno fan you experience a lot of playing on a baseball uh, stadium pitch uh, and also you you've now learned a lot about this orange county team so you get sort of knowledge on both of this what does orange county need to do to be successful on this smaller type of pitch that they've struggled on so far um you're 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 playing the part of coach richard chaplow uh what are you doing to um to lead this team to victory what kind of formation what kind of changes are you making with the team strategy what do you think they need to do uh, I agree with Dylan on this. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if we can get m more than 20 minutes out of Ennevoldson because this game isn't going to be about lopping the ball over and running after it, you know, with Ugo and Damas. Uh, this game's going to be one that needs to be won through creative passing, creative runs, getting the ball through in tight spaces. Um, so seeing seeing players who are going to be able to distribute this ball a little bit better is going to be almost necessary. You got to play a little bit more creatively in these tight places. And I'm going to stay with you really quick, Brad on this. Um, is this a match where we potentially can see someone like a Darwin Jones feature a little bit more um, being that uh, this is sort of a, a homecoming match for him. Uh, and he's looking like he's getting some opportunities now. Is this a, maybe a chance for Richard to give him a little bit more uh, of a, a bigger role on this team um, heading to coma, or uh, is there someone else that you think um, besides, I know you mentioned Anna Voltson on this, but uh, is there someone else that you think can feature uh, as a, a key contributor to this match? Um, I mean, Darwin Jones, yes. Uh, Anna Voltson, yes. And I'd also like to see uh, Seth Kasipli uh, get a couple bit more minutes here too. I don't know about any of their fitness levels right now. So, so take that with a grain of salt, obviously. You gotta be confident. You gotta act like you know what you're talking about here, Brad. I'm, Make it I'm sound like you're not in what Orange you're County about. right now, so I I don't speak with the coach after every game like you guys have the opportunity to. Uh, and B, I can only speculate because I don't see how tired the players are. I only see what the camera shows me. Uh, Dylan, your thoughts? Uh, Darwin Jones is is this an opportunity for him to get some uh, some big minutes, or is he still going to be more in that spot role? And if uh, that's the case. Any other names you want to say that you're looking to contribute big in this match? I think he's going to be a sub again. I don't think this match is really screaming out for him, um, but it is cool that he's fit, and so he should make the trip up. Um, and also, I believe Ugo is from a federal way as well. Um, so 
you know, they'll obviously both travel, assuming, barring any craziness this weekend training. But, yeah, I, I feel like he works best on a wider field um, or a longer field where you can get it out wide to him, let him run down, um, and then uh, just whip across across the six for someone to finish. I, I think this one is really going to come down to, like, set pieces. So this might be one of those uh, Robbie Kieran and Michael Roscoe shows. This is probably a new Coley kind of game where if we have the ball out wide and we can cross it in um, and hopefully basically we need to turn into every team that's played against Orange County this year and get the ball into a wide space, whip it across, um, change the play and, and take advantage of the chaos because it works. Um, we've seen it against us and we've seen it also work a couple of times for us as well. And, and I think that's on a short field, just about the only way to win. Because you can't play through the middle against a team that plays, uh, depending on how you look at it, three or five at the back. Yeah, this is where it's difficult, right? Because Darwin Jones, you'd love to see him be able to make an impact, especially against a team uh, like Tacoma, where he has uh, you know, past uh, ties with uh, when it comes to his playing career. Um, and you look at him, it was just two seasons ago that he you know, put in what, 12 goals, five assists and played the most minutes of his career and injuries have just hurt him uh, since then. And, and including this year where he's played in five matches, but is only featured for 58 minutes, uh, which is disappointing as an Orange County fan. And as a fan of Darwin Jones, I know he's a huge fan favorite uh, for Caroline Coalition and a lot of fans around this team. Um, one of the longest tenured players as well. So hoping he gets to make a big appearance uh, and a big contribution to an Orange County victory against Tacoma. Uh, let's do our score predictions for this. And because our man Allen isn't here, I don't think he's submitted uh, any score predictions to us. So we're going to get to make that prediction for him. Um, and uh, I will um, give it again. I will let anyone that's listening live, if you want to uh, share in the comments a score prediction for Allen, we will take the first person that does so. If not, uh, one of us will make the the – prediction for him and uh we'll make the decision when we come to that let's go to um i'm gonna go to you first brad since you are in the lead i'll let you make the first prediction on this one um again orange county's score first and then tacoma the opponent score this is a must win um down the stretch these games mean a lot so three to one All right now let's go to you brad or sorry brad you're in Yes, my name is Brad. You can tell. Um, you guys, I mean, I love I Reno, you guys, whiskey, yeah. uh, and and smoke. Um, Whatever that. Thing. Nice. I love lead dog. Two nil, Orange County. So that's going to be Alan's prediction right there. Mikey Rodriguez is predicting for Alan a two nil Orange County victory. Um, he's getting a, a a good prediction there. I think I'm scared now that I can't catch up to him. Dylan, what's your prediction? It was the same thing. This was 2 0. But you know what? To be different, I'll go 1 0. There. All right. And for my prediction, I'm going to go 3 1 Orange County. Um, nice. I like that prediction. It's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. I had, I had to steal your. I mean, you're in the lead, so obviously you know what you're talking about, Brad. So I have to just copy you if I want to catch up to Alan here. Um, let's move on. Is there any other soccer stuff that we want to talk about here before we get to random? thoughts what's random soccer news anything anyone wants to bring up i, I do have something that we probably need to discuss just because mm -hmm. it's important to, to discuss it um so i'm just going to start with us the the crazy you know 
NWSL, no games this past weekend because of uh, what's happening with, I believe, North Carolina. Uh, Washington. Washington. Yeah, see, I'm totally not paying attention to my story now. They're close to each other, right? North Carolina, Washington, it's, they're, they're the same parts of the country. Um, thoughts on all this? I think, what, the commissioner resigning over this, uh, players speaking out. Uh, it, it's This is just a mess. Uh, and it's not a good mess. And it's definitely disappointing to know that this is happening uh, in U.S. soccer. Uh, I'll go to you first, Brad. Um, thoughts on this mess with the NWSL and what can be done to fix this type of stuff from happening again in the future? I I, I don't know if we can answer that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you guys. I disagree that this is surprising. This is not even close to surprising for me. Um, just because you know nothing can really surprise me after uh, the whole thing that happened with the U.S. women's gymnastics program. And I don't want to say this is similar because it's rude to compare the two things, but there is a lot of similarities here in terms of, you know, it's a person in power that people are supposed to trust and people are turn blind eyes to the fact that someone's misusing and abusing their position of power. And even after the fact, you know, after all of this, all of this comes to light, um, I feel like there isn't real justice for a lot of these players because people resigned, but the dialogue is more of isn't really changing anything. It's it's the status quo. It's continuing to be the status quo, and I think that's absolutely disgusting. So uh, let me ask you, Dylan, because, yeah, there's been a lot of resignations that have uh, happened because of this. I mean, we're even seeing stories of uh, the CEO of Washington uh, you know, stepping down or resigning over this. So uh, is this more uh, a thing of people don't want to be associated with it, so they're stepping down? Or is this a, a show of maybe they feel like they probably were in the wrong and they were guilty uh, of something, even if they didn't do what uh, the the coach did, but maybe they were made aware of it and they didn't pursue it. I mean, I know this is all speculation. I'm, I, I don't mean to put this on you, but um, what, what does, what does it show when all these people are resigning over this situation? Um, and is this something that can be fixed and can the NWCL survive after what is happening with this? Um, well, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to put um, on you. What, sorry, what does it show? I think it shows that, um, the sport and the league have really rotten, absolutely toxic existences. Um, and this is pretty true at every level within the sport. Um, that's just the nature of, in a sense, like the system that we have set up at the moment um, and, and the system of um, being competitive for you know the shirt that you wear. At some point, there'll be an opportunity to exploit people and when you don't do your due diligence in finding people that aren't, um, I'm trying to think of a way to say this in a way that can still be put on the show without an explicit warning, but um, when you don't hire people that aren't absolute pieces of human uh, trash, then you get things um, like what's happened. And it's disappointing and it's frustrating because these are people's daughters and wives and girlfriends. Um, these are people's mothers and 
when you think of it like that, as these are people, um, it's disgusting and it's it's hard to stomach. And when you think of them as players, it's you know I think there's some discon- disconnect there, and I think that's what's gone wrong at the NWSL. I think there's a lot of ego involved uh, as well. So I think it's less that the people that uh, the Steve Baldwin's of the world, um, the Lahues of the world, um, maybe less that they feel that they're in the wrong and more realizing that their positions are untenable um, or being forced out a la Lisa Baird. I guess Lahue is the same way. And it's just disappointing to see uh, hockey always talks about this toxic culture issue that they have um, where there's a good old boys club and it's it's the same situation here where you have the same coach kind of being recycled. Um, people like to make jokes about uh, the EPL like oh it's December and your team's bottom of the table you hire Big Sam and hopefully you get out of it. It's this rotating uh, carousel of managers and, and that's what it was here and it was disgusting that just because he didn't technically commit a crime that uh, Riley was allowed to continue coaching. I mean, there's a lot of ethics that go into, you know, not breaking a law, right? You can two-foot a guy at the knee um, on the pitch and you'll get sent off, but you're probably not going to end up with a battery charge. Yeah, there, there is some sort of difference there, but it is incredibly unethical to end someone's career like that. Um, it's incredibly unethical to take advantage of players like this. Um, and yeah, you still have Steve Baldwin involved. He's just stepped down and kind of taken aim with the players while they're really just desperate to get him out. And the fans are desperate to get him out at this point. So um, this is maybe a, a more of a metaphor for uh, labor versus uh, employers in our landscape as well, where you eventually have things that, uh, you know, like a collective action and direct action makes people stop for a second and go, oh, wow, this is a major issue. Um, And we saw it last year when teams didn't play in August, and we saw it this past weekend, because realistically, if all the teams play, you know, NPR doesn't pick this up, uh, ABC doesn't pick this up, CBS doesn't pick this up, and we probably don't talk about it. We just say, oh, wow, just some crazy nonsense happened in the NWSL this weekend. That never happened in a league like ours. (laughs) But... um, yeah, it's it's disgusting. Oh, it happened in the USL level too, because I think in Hartford there was reports that the head coach had put one of the players, um, like it choked one of the players or something, and nothing came of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, there was there was a lot of speaking, but oh, players gonna get exploited, and that's that's the nature of this. And so you have to find good people um, that are unlikely to do that, and then just to be sure, you have to put things in place to make sure that this doesn't happen and that in the case of um, Portland, um, Gotham, North Carolina, that it, it, that it doesn't happen again. And this is the, this is the tough thing, right? Because there's going to be probably a lot of people that are going to say, well, these women could have made the decision to leave or not follow through or not feel pressured or all that. Um, but the, the, you got to understand in these situations is, women's soccer is not this like there's not multiple opportunities within the u.s for these women to play professional soccer so when you have someone in a position of power that can use that position of power to get what they want knowing that the uh, person without the power has limited options and resources um, that's where you get this type of situation and so um i i i don't understand why people would even think those thoughts i i i and you know through the past what 
12 to 18 months. We've heard a lot of people say these are athletes. I want them to just play. I don't want them to speak out about social injustices or um, problems in the world or stuff like that. I just want them to play their sport and not bring politics into it. Well, this is why the players do this type of thing. So uh, I, I will agree with you, Dylan, if, if this didn't happen where the players had a voice at this point and, and stood up against this and the games get, get canceled and, and all that, probably we don't talk about this or maybe it's just a small little, you know, this happened quick thoughts, but it becomes a bigger issue. You talk about it because players are, are using their position to uh, share the injustice that's going on or, or something that's going on that people need to know about. So this is why this types of stuff, the, these type of things happen. And, and, you know, I apologize if I, if I'm getting anyone upset over my beliefs of why this is not a bad thing, why people should be able to speak their voice um, when they have uh, a platform to stand on when it is, is involving social injustices, it has to happen because that's the only way you're going to get people to uh, think about things, talk about things, and you can make real change happen in those situations. Uh, and, and I'm hoping that this can be fixed and that things can change. Uh, I know as a youth coach, uh, you know, I had to go through, you know, the minimal license licensing to coach my son's team because we were, uh, you know, I got to the level where you had to at least have, I, I forget what the level license is at that point, but anyone that was part of that coaches coaching licensing program had to go through the, um, you know, sexual harassment type stuff training. Um, and I think it was because shortly after what happened with us gymnastics. So, uh, I I'm going to assume that every coach in us soccer had to go through this, but this shows that either people weren't paying attention, weren't listening, or just flat out felt like they're too good for uh, what you're learning there. Because I, I clearly remember the types of things that were talked about and it was these types of things, the, the uh, situations and, you know, what were the right responses or the right um, things to do in the different situations as a person in power, as a coach uh, of young soccer uh, players or just soccer players in general. So I, I, I think everyone that was a licensed soccer coach had to go through this, including at the pro rank. Now, do they do it or do they just click through buttons and, or just go through an in-person training and, and, you know, strategize for the matches while that's going on, who knows, but um, that shows that there's a bigger problem is people aren't taking these types of situations seriously uh, and listening or, or at least paying attention to what they're being told um, and, and, and whatnot. Maybe it's just people are just sick in the mind and they, they don't care. I, I don't know. I, and I'm not trying to say anything about any situation when I say that I'm just, uh, it, it, it's hard for me to comprehend why the stuff like this continues um, when you have these opportunities, but I thought we had to talk about it. I know, I know we're an orange County soccer club team, but we've not shied away from uh, these types of stories in the past. And and this is a major one. And um, I wanted to make sure we gave not just, you know, a, a two minute response onto this, but I wanted to just really get your thoughts on how this um, impacts everyone in, in soccer and sports, because yeah, I don't know any of these players personally, and I, I don't know um, the coach personally, but I, I know a lot of families that have daughters and young boys that play soccer that this potentially can happen to them. And um, there needs to be a, a way to stop these types of things from happening. And part of that is educating and knowing that this type of stuff happens um, and not just in gymnastics, but it happens in other sports like soccer um, and, and things like that. So, uh, just the awareness is a big part of this and 
yeah. Sorry. I, I don't want to get emotional about this. So I'm, uh, I'm going to give you guys a last chance. If you guys have any last things you want to say about this topic uh, before we move on to any other soccer stuff y'all want to talk about. You know, one person saying something should be the point where you take it seriously. It shouldn't take dozens upon dozens of people to cry to cry foul for something to be done or investigated. One person saying something is, you know, is where it should be drawn. People don't maliciously come and say, hey, I don't like this person. I don't think they should be my coach anymore, especially at the professional level. You know, there's some level of professional courtesy that everybody has. You know, people don't like each other, but they know how to work with each other. And that, sh that exists in the world of men's soccer. It should exist in the world of women's soccer. You shouldn't be having people in these positions of power taking advantage of of their athletes that are a part of their team. It's disgusting, and I hope people like Pat Riley never get to have a position where they get to coach ever again. All right. Well said, Brad. Um, any other soccer things that we can talk about, or uh, do we just move on from here? Anything that you all have seen or have wanted to discuss? There's some big news surrounding the stadium, but I'll just hold off and wait a couple weeks and, and talk about it then. Because I don't want to cause any problems or step on any toes or uh, annoy any Dylan people that like I have already annoyed. Of some news here. Uh, tune in to a future episode to hear what Dylan has to say here. That's right. What do they call that? The... It's like an ending of The Sopranos or whatever. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, yeah. So who knows? Like who knows what I could be talking about? Uh, you know, who knows? It might be something that people have already been talking about on social medias, but they might not know the insider scoop that Dylan may have here. So we'll have to see. Dylan, we'll look forward to this. Um, let's get into some random thoughts here so we can wrap things up here. Um, I will go to you first, Brad. What's your random thought? Oh, man. Um... Well, I guess uh, in the world of treating each other with respect and dignity, uh, don't don't have road rage. I had an incident today where someone tried inciting road rage at me, and I won't go into the specifics because I'm very good at that. Uh, but, you know, if it doesn't involve you, if if you're at a red light and and you want to enter somebody else's business and scream at them you know maybe you're you know I, my favorite one of my favorite subreddits is am i the bleep hole maybe you're the bleep hole all right maybe dylan is the bleep hole dylan what is your random thought yeah i probably am huh um well i was i was reading a, a harvard business review thing yesterday and they and they said that like one in four people are, are planning on, on switching their jobs in the next quarter um so if you're one of those people i wish you nothing but the best in your job search um if you're not one of those people then i um applaud you for staying in the same place um assuming it's a good one and and don't be afraid to uh to ask for um some sort of compensation for sticking around at the moment uh and to all of my fellow laborers we got this let's 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 go um things will be better soon 
Thank you, Dylan. Random thought for me is uh, everyone knows I coach my son's soccer team, and this past weekend we won our match 12-0. Um, and uh, talking to our opponent, opposing coach before the match, their team had won their previous two matches with scores of like 7-0 or 8-0. So I'm scared to uh, see what happens when we play some of these other teams in the league. Um, and with that said, I'm now looking at what do I do with my team uh, in the spring? Because if this is uh, what we are going to be playing, I need to figure out because I want my players to have some competition. So anyone that knows more about youth soccer in the Orange County area, share with me some ideas. Um, this is rec league. So we're not trying to move these kids up to club. Some of them probably could play at the club level, but uh, probably not all of them are ready for that. So I'm trying to figure out these kids love playing with each other. They've played with each other for multiple seasons. So we want to keep this team together if we can um, in some sort of rec, um, you know, capacity. So let's do that. Um, by the way, Mikey, who's listening live, uh, posted that the CLC Instagram, uh, will be doing a giveaway at 500 followers. So if you're not already following the Countline coalition on Instagram, make sure you do so. And while you're on Instagram, just go ahead and follow us. Even though we haven't posted anything in ages, Dylan's in charge of that account, but he is asleep at the wheel, uh, for the past 18 to 24 months. Uh, maybe we'll have to hand over the keys of that fun thing to someone like Brad, maybe Brad has time Brad to do some Instagram. Brad doesn't Instagram. Okay. Brad also doesn't Brad. here. But he could still like true. Photoshop yes, let's take, or let's take pictures of uh, my TV. <laughs> there we go. Um, or if anyone wants to do that for us, uh, you know, for you know, to be nice and and manage social media on some of our stuff, feel free to let us know. We'll uh, we'll let you do some stuff. Does yeah, that mean that? Yeah, Coalition on Instagram so that they can get more followers and you can potentially. Get a giveaway prize of some sort. Who knows? Yes, what that could be. assuming it still works. I don't know. Um, maybe you get to, maybe the, the giveaway. Working. Maybe the giveaway is you get to hang out with Dylan for an hour. Who knows? That would be a good giveaway. Hang out with Dylan for lunch. Would it be okay. a good giveaway? And the person has to pay for lunch, not Dylan. This sounds like everyone knows Dylan doesn't have money. Maybe um, someone's idea of purgatory. <laughs> it's like it's not that bad, but it's not gonna be it's not gonna be the best time you have for sure. Or maybe it's an all expenses paid trip to visit Brad up in Reno. Who knows? Um I, I don't run a the, good the, idea? the CLC. I don't run the CLC uh Instagram account, so I have no idea what the prizes. I'm just giving some suggestions. It's definitely none of those. I can promise you it's gonna be better than what Ray just floated, so get on over there. <laughs> Um, uh, I want to thank all of our listeners that have either listened live or listen when we get this on podcast form. We are going to do that. I'm going to make it happen. It's happening uh, tomorrow. All of our missing episodes will go up onto podcast form tomorrow. I, If I don't do it, uh, spam me on um, social media, at DJ Ray Samora on Twitter uh, until I get it done. Shameless um, plug. Yes. Um, it's not a plug. I really spam me if I don't get these up on uh, to uh, the podcast form uh, for Brad, for Dylan and our missing uh, host tonight, Alan, wherever he is, hopefully everything's going good for him and for our producer, Andy. I want to thank you all for listening. This is the orange and black soccer cast and we are out. Oh,